0: Welcome everybody to RM Sotheby's Car Show. I am Peter Haynes and this is our next episode from Munich and we are standing in an incredible industrial building called Motor World. It's full of car stuff. Cars, obviously, and other stuff, but we're mainly here because we've got an auction. Our first ever Munich sale. If you're watching, you might be able to see some of the cars over my shoulder, but it's an incredible location. And uh, we're gonna be talking to uh, a couple of guests in the second part of this show. Uh, One is Marcus Gorig who is our German market specialist, who's based here in Munich, and the guy kind of responsible for getting this uh, auction off the ground. And also Zander Heinen, who is one of the guys that actually got Motorworld off the ground. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what this is all about conceptually and why it's a fantastic place. Uh, But before that, we're going to talk to uh, Will Smith and... Anders bill two of our specialists and we're going to talk about some of the incredible cars that we've got on offer here in munich in particular a big collection of bmws that have come here and they're all no reserve so that's very very exciting we are in a building which i'm reliably told used to be a repair uh, Facility for old locomotives, yeah. like a large train depot, la- or something a large like that. sort of train depot, yeah. and it's massive. And it's it's basically a steel construction, and there are massive kind of RSJs and girders and all sorts of um, kind of things that used to do something very functional and don't do it anymore. Yeah. But it, it's it's this is an amazing location, isn't it? Is it?
1: Super impressive, and and the, the vision that was required to transform it into what we see it as today, and. To, to install what you basically have is the frame of the building, for those that can't see, but with all of these pods internally slotted in to the building. So they haven't really touched or interfered with the fabric of the building, which is brilliant, because it's just, everything is exposed, it's super industrial. And i think it lends itself perfectly it,
0: I, I absolutely love it and until i arrived here yesterday i'd never been i'd yeah. just seen pictures and I, it I, works it's, a lot better in real life yeah. than on pictures i think thing is putting on a car auction is not easy putting on an auction is a is a logistical nightmare <laughs> and people don't really appreciate it do they i mean putting on an auction is for us is very expensive because we need a huge space yeah we also have to bring out a lot of staff, mm. so we need a hotel, and we need all sorts of. We need office space and all the rest of it. What is amazing about this is, unlike most of our auctions, where the, the you know the hotel could be two miles away, yeah, it's all in one place. It's all yeah. in one place how so. much are you loving that? I lay in bed this morning thinking, oh. I need to be at a meeting in three minutes. Yeah. I reckon I can make that. <laughs> yeah. It's unusual.
1: I and mean, Unlike, as you say, any other venue that we've been to. And the the infrastructure and the, the dynamic of this place is unlike anything I've ever seen. I don't think I've been to any place in the car world that compares to this. Well,
2: and let's get back to car world, because that's, an, that's, that's really what matters to me. I mean, yes, we can talk about the, the aesthetics of the place, the logistics of the place and all that, but, it, but let's get back to cars. It's a car mecca, isn't it? Yeah. I mean,
3: You've got it everything.
2: It's 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 here in one place. Well, we're, we're, if you're into cars, old, new, whatever, it's here. Yeah. Well,
0: our special guest in this show is one of the the, the senior, uh, like founders of this of this place. So mm. we're going to talk to him in quite a lot of detail about what it conceptually what this was all about. And I know, in fact, that Motorworld in Munich isn't the only one. That uh, mm. that, that there are not necessarily owned by the same people but and there's, a, there's a similar type of place in Dusseldorf and I think there's Stuttgart. one and one in Stuttgart as well Berlin yeah. has one as well yeah. and it yeah that's right and it, and it's um, <laughs> so clearly it's conceptually it's a very German thing mm. and 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 I don't know if anywhere if there is there anyone like this in Scandinavia?
2: Uh, in Denmark we've actually tried to copy it. it it's a smaller country it's a smaller market so it, it's ended up being a, a smaller version of it uh, and as such perhaps not quite as impressive but we have tried to copy it but it, it's definitely the Germans that sort of came up with it the concept invented it and and I mean
0: it it is it's sort of a it's a shopping mall basically isn't it it's so it's like a Mm. massive shopping mall where you might find you know all of the high street uh, fashion brands and all the rest of it supermarkets but it's but it's just full of car either either people buying and selling cars car manufacturers people selling clothing watches um, but all on an automotive theme for mm. british
2: listeners could we could you argue that it's sort of an indoor version of um
1: Vista Vista. heritage yeah it is a bit like bicester it is a little bit Ish. like Bista. yeah 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 different different execution yes. similar concept to bring car brands manufacturers together in one place yeah. restorers in one place i'd say there's more emphasis on Sort of workshops restoration in Bristol than yes, there is here. This yeah, is true. more of a kind of retail outlet for the car. But
0: how cool is that storage place with all of the cars? So, so yeah. um, there Four is levels. A- yeah, there, there's a big glass section to this building, which is for storing cars. And they're all stacked on top of each other. It's like a, it's like Jenga, isn't it? Yeah. Car Jenga. Yeah. Um, and they uh, and it's incredible. And it's sort of all on these clever hydraulic lifts and everything. And uh, and uh, behind glass. And sort behind of glass like, yeah. so you can see it all. I absolutely love it. We're gonna talk a little bit about what we're selling here. And mm. I think very specifically for you two guys, and the reason why I, it's great having you two on this podcast is, you're both quite dyed-in-the-wool BMW guys aren't you? <laughs> Proper BMW Proper geeks. Geeks. Yeah. Kind of, say I, it as it is. <laughs> I, I am as well but I'm more on the pre-war side, yeah. you yeah. two you know like all of the post-war stuff that you find in Waitrose yeah. Car Park oh, yeah. which is fine uh, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that and um, the BMW collection we've got is a very big part of this sale mm. it's all no reserve so we bloody love that don't we mm. yeah. I mean you know snaffle, snaffle a bargain uh maybe it just
2: makes the bidding interesting doesn't it yeah it does it's it a does. different
0: dynamics and i tell you what let's just talk a little bit about no reserve sales yeah. because i don't think it's a topic that we've really covered in any previous episode clients are nervous aren't they about putting a car into an auction they are without often. reserve yeah. so for those of you not familiar with the auction process if we take a, a car and, and this is true of sort of any, any auction house selling pretty much anything furniture, art, whatever um, we kind of know roughly what something is worth, but to protect the buyer or from the, from the client's perspective, that individual trying to protect themselves, they set a level below which they are not prepared to sell the car. Yeah. And, and so unless, unless it makes that price, the car's not selling. Yeah, no reserve is in theory, in theory, it could sell for 35p. Yes. We know that's not going to happen. We're not going to open the bidding at 35p for a start. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I mean, that's an absurd thing to say, really. But but, but, but we we, we don't know what it's going to sell for. Now that feels quite dangerous, doesn't it? However, what have we proved? We've proved that actually the values you can achieve in a no reserve sale often quite significantly exceed the, the, the same car selling yeah. with a reserve.
1: If you have a no reserve lot, you will have double, sometimes treble, the yeah. number of interest in that vehicle. And as a consequence, more interest means more bids, more bids means more money. Absolutely. So there is a discernible and very real difference between a car that is reserved and a car that is not reserved. And it all boils down to the level of interest that you can generate for that vehicle. I mean, there are certain cars behind us in the BMW collection where we have 20 people bidding wanting to bid on that vehicle now if the car was reserved I would say that would be five people
2: I I agree with that I agree with that
0: now and 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 that's because they're all smelling the potential for a bargain yes and that's engaging them in the process yes
2: I mean but 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 in fairness there are also some products that lend themselves better to it than others if it's a product Mm. that you know is popular in the market then no reserve, there's not, the perceived risk is not really there because you know it's, it's, it's a product that we can sell all day long at good prices. Yeah. So so you don't actually have that perceived risk of it maybe selling too cheap, yet you still gain the advantage of of, of creating a little bit of hype maybe, um, and and getting more people to engage in in the auction. It Mm. is at the end of the day, I mean a no reserve auction is at the end of the day, it is the purest form of auctioning, isn't it? Mm. You let the market speak. Whatever they're willing to bid on the day, that's the market price for this product on this day.
0: No phrase is more true really, in talking about the value of anything, something is worth what somebody else is prepared to pay for it. And if we've done
1: our job correctly, then we've ensured that there are enough people in that setting, to to make sure that the car not just makes its market value but but in our case hopefully exceeds it and and the other factor of no reserve that, that is so good for, for for from an auction perspective is collections when you have a collection like we do here behind us of the bmws and it is all no reserve including you know something like a bmw 507 which is a nearly a two million euro car that in itself that 507 over there at two million euros or there are thereabouts is elevating and bringing up the collection as a whole. You know, there's a little mini sit over there, which is a 30,000 euro car. But the fact that they are all no reserve and the whole collection is no reserve, it creates a hype and an interest that is unique to a collection. And and only serves, in our opinion, to get better results as a consequence.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. They they complement each other, don't they? Yeah. And and there's some synergy in it, you know. 2 plus 2 equals 5.
0: But let's talk about the BMWs, mm. because uh, for a bit of context, um, well, Will, tell us, yeah. what's the backstory to these cars? They've come from quite an unusual source, haven't they? They have.
1: They've, they've come from China. They were sourced here in Europe, uh, but they've come out of a Chinese collection. And that in itself is quite unusual, because there are not that many collections in China. Yeah. Um, so we thought, well, let's, it makes sense. We're doing an auction in Munich. This is the home of BMW. Let's bring the cars home and sell them here because, frankly, you're going to get more interest and more BMW focus here in Munich than you probably would anywhere in the
0: world, Anders. Really, Absolute, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's an impressive collection, isn't it? And yeah. here's the thing, and let's be honest with our, our, our listeners like, none of us had seen these cars until very recently, <laughs> it's true. had we? Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were in China and then they were put on in containers, yep. put on boats, yeah. and they haven't been in Europe for very long. No. So when all of those containers open, and we, a lot of us were seeing this stuff for the first time, and we, you, you know, you're not really sure what you're going to find. No. And I think it pleasantly surprised, right? I, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what I like the most probably about the collection is how broad it is.
3: I mean, yeah. yes,
2: it's one brand, I, and, and you could argue then it's not broad, broad, but within the realms of BMW, it is really really broad you've yeah. got everything from a Dixie from 1928 i think it is yeah. the, you know the first yeah. bmw licensed build austin 7 basically yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know up up to much more modern stuff like an m3 csl you got an 8 series you got the z8 and in fact what is the what is the newest car here is it the mm-hmm. z8 maybe it might be the z8 i it, might think be. it must be the z8 yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I think so um, you know so so the, the spectrum is huge and and there's also also from a, from a, a a value point of view uh, you've got, uh, it's the cheapest, Like I think the lowest estimate, well for starters, they're, they're no reserve, but if we're mm-hmm. looking at the estimates, I think the lowest is, is like 20 or 25,000 euros. Up to the BMW 507 you mentioned, which is just shy of two million euros.
0: Yeah. So 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 and then yeah, and pr- yeah, as you say, the Dixie. We've got what three other pre-war cars. Yeah. Mm. We've got some motorbikes as well. That too. Um, yes. You know, it's a right old mixed bag. And um, and we've got racing cars. We've got
1: Isetta over there. We've got I an Isetta right. um,
0: bubble car, as yep. my kids like to call them. Yeah. And, and uh, I think also. There's some quite exotic stuff here. Yes. 507, 328, Batmobile right behind us here. M1, yeah. M1, yeah, blimey. That's uh, like peak exotic. But uh, what I really like about this collection, and I think when we've been walking around, in a way, the stuff that really grabs your attention are those very, in inverted commas, ordinary BMW saloons that Mm. our Parents or grandparents. Was that the were car
2: park or whatever you said before? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Astor, I said Waitrose. Oh, did you say Waitrose? <laughs> you won't find them in an Asda car park. No, you're right, you're uh, right, you yeah. won't. <laughs> You've got well, go to
2: get I'm glad you at least went for Waitrose. Well, uh, that's not fair. suspense,
0: perhaps. Uh, I don't
1: know, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I know what you're trying to say, Peter, which is they, 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 they are cars that are, in their day were quite unexceptional, they were quite a family cars, but these ones have been preserved yeah. in a yeah. way that is uh, very unusual yeah. for BMWs which got used, you know, because yeah. people guess what, they drove them and they found out they were great cars to drive, well, they did
0: loads of miles. My dad had a BMW 323 company car
2: and I'm so glad you mentioned that
0: and <laughs> uh, uh, and and I and there's one of them and we'll come back to that in just literally in a second and there's a, there's kind of a, you know, there's a 5 series, yep. just a cooking 7 series, there's a 7 series yeah, yeah. and, and um, You know, but they're all uber low mileage, and they're just, you know, some of the interiors of those cars, which normally, what, 30, 40 years later, would have just been trashed with years worth of- I think the word is unmolested. They are unbelievable. Let's go back to the 323, because that is as close to buying a brand new car. Yeah, It
2: blew my mind when I walked up to it. I I happen to really like them, and I've owned several of them. I walked up to this one, I, I, I have never seen, in my entire life, and I've dealt with these cars a lot, I've never seen another E21 quite as well preserved as this one. It's yeah. un, It's got 57,000 kilometres on or something, yeah. so it's not that it's zero miles, I mean it's very low miles, yeah, but it's it, not like it, zero it, in miles. In fact,
0: the condition belies that mileage, it does. doesn't
2: it? It looks like a car that rolled out of the factory yesterday, yeah. except yeah. it's from 1981. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it, and and it's uh, I think the estimate is 25 to 30 or something like yeah. that. And it, the the amount of beautifully preserved unmolested authentic classic car you can get from for well let's see what it sells for but somewhere in that region is mind-boggling you don't
1: you can't find them like that you just can't yeah
0: probably if you went to the pub with a couple of mates and you said oh have you seen my new bmw so i just bought it and they go out and they have a quick glance and they go oh yeah you know i remember what what year was that 1980 or something and you go yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite old. Yeah, I've just paid thirty grand for it, and they'd look at you and think, "Are you mad?" Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, but would but you
2: rather pump thirty grand into a brand new Mondeo? No, but, thank
0: you. But, but it's what you said. It's like find another one like that. Yeah. You're not going to find
2: gonna another do one. No. I, I mean, regardless how well connected we are in the BMW world and scene, and I, I, I couldn't find another one like that. I really couldn't. No. Yeah. I, I I'll, I'll be honest.
0: Yep. And we got, uh, so, what's your, uh, within the BMW collection? Will which one are you taking home? That is so hard, but
1: for me... Big choice. It's between the CSL Batmobile and the M1, and it has to be the M1, because there are only, I believe, three or four. There are some, it depends who you talk to. Four, I think, but yeah. In that colour, which is a sort of dark, medium, lovely, sort of grey colour. Quite stealth. Stealthy, and the interior, I think, is almost unique. In that sort of brown leather with brown Cognac, do we cognac. call it I Cognac? Think we, I think we call it Cognac, Inside. don't we? Because it, it's, it's quite a
2: warm brown. It's, it's, it's super unique, isn't it? It is.
0: It matches, actually, your lovely uh, waistcoat. See, so wearing. you
2: can't have it. I'm going to have uh, It's mine, just because of
0: the waistcoat. It, it, I, it, was, it was BMW's first supercar, wasn't it? Could you argue they're only? Uh, Mid-engine
2: two-seater yeah, with I motorsport mean, it, heritage. It, it, it,
0: it's a car that kind of was taking the fight to, f- to the likes of Ferrari, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Two seats. Uh, Mid, and mid-engined, and mid-engined and Porsche I think you know uh, yeah. in the racing world yes they, they were out to beat the 911 turbos was out there yeah. to beat yeah. the Porsches and yeah. they went racing with it there was a one-make series for those yeah. wasn't there and and some great road cars and they are and they are rare I love the two BMW badges on the back yeah
1: people people but always sort of it's, give it's it funny. a bit
0: of stick for that no don't I love
1: it,
2: it you know what I mean gives it symmetry is is it corny <laughs> probably a little bit but on that car it
1: it, it pulls yeah. it off it works yes, I agree you probably couldn't do it on anything else but we were talking just now, weren't we, about M1 values and how they haven't really taken off in a, in the same way as other vehicles of that of that era, mm. which have great racing pedigree, low production numbers, and Italian '70s exotic styling. Yeah, yeah. and. I just think that in the next five years, we're going to see prices accelerate even
0: more for M1s uh, than they are currently now. Uh, so I th- I viewers, think... you heard it here first. <laughs> Absolutely. Roll up and buy an M1. And if you lose money on it, I'll give you, pho- I'll, I'll give you Will's mobile number, <laughs> and you can have a chat. <laughs> I'll give it, give it two or three years.
2: <laughs> I mean, and, and, uh, you know, a, a, good, a good driving, you know, nice example, but not like the best. Yeah. You, you can pick one up for about €400,000. Yeah, and and I think it's amazing value. if you look at, I mean, fairly low production numbers, four hundred and fifty something, mm. uh, four hundred and fifty-two or three or whatever it is. All the rest we've just said, the motorsport heritage, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Where do you get that for Well, Euros? I, I,
0: it says a lot about you, Anders, that, that £400,000 is so cheap to a man like yourself.
2: And it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. It's a bucket load of money, of course.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I do love the M1. I've, uh, the three-litre CSL here, the Batmobile, yeah. I think probably is the car I would buy. And in fact, actually, because I can't really afford one of those, there's a three-litre uh, CS or oh, CSI, yeah, CSI over there. CSI, yes. Go to Halfords, With, uh, get um, some body kit yeah, stuff. I'd, 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 I'd yeah, i just nice. stick some polystyrene wings on it. And, yes, uh, and, and uh, some,
2: tacky, some tacky stripes and, down the and, side. Go faster stripes. And bluff
0: my mates yes. yeah. down at the pub. Uh, but I do love these. Pillar, lovely um, pillarless coupe, as they're yeah. called. And uh, one, of the, one of the best looking cars. And again, let's just talk about BMW as a value proposition. Mm these cars were outracing 2.7 RS yep. Porsches yep. and we all know for a, you know for a puck of 2.7 RS matching numbers all the rest of it we all know what you've got to pay yeah a three litre CSL you half, know half the is, price. Is, the price. Is, is kind of half the price or,
2: or less if we're looking at lightweight RSs yeah, yep. yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this is a lightweight, so yeah. you should even maybe compare it with the two hundred RS lightweights. You, yeah. In which case, we're talking what a
1: quarter of the price. Look at Le Mans. Look at the, you know, look at that whole series at the time of, of you know, sports cars. Sports cars at that in the seventies, in the early seventies, it was those two that were it doing was. battle with one another. So, yeah. it, it, it's not just that you know they they are or they aren't comparable, but because they raced together. So, yeah. and, and they were targeting similar markets. For, you know, for people who are passionate about racing and love racing cars, to go out and buy a homologated road car, which is effectively what they both are, mm. you know, is is something special. And, you know, there aren't that many cars out there from that era that, that you, you can say that about, that, you mm. know, are genuinely connected to motorsport in the way they are.
2: And what I've always really liked about the CSL is that it has all of that motorsport heritage, 100%, through and through, mm. Yet, if you wanted to do transcontinental touring, it's comfortable. You could just jump mm. in, throw your bag in the boot, which is quite large, bring your wife, girlfriend, whatever, friend, and go across all of Europe, and you're, yeah. gonna, you're gonna rock um, up, you know, feeling relatively fresh still. Yeah. It,
0: it, it's a great GT car as well as a race mm. car. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, try that in a Lamborghini Miura, and you, you would arrive at your destination. Uh, perspiring heavily, yes. uh, probably unable to stand up straight and, uh, you know, and, and generally feeling like you wish you had taken something else. So you're Batnabil,
1: I'm M1. What are you,
2: Anders? Ooh, yeah, see, you grabbed the two good ones. I would be inclined to go with the M1 as well, actually. But if oh. you've grabbed that already, um, I mean, honestly, it's not very exotic. But the 323 that you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's, it's a... <laughs> But just because uh, of the so condition. It's because you're not very
0: exotic. No, I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm I mean, just, I'm I'm, we call him the
1: Viking. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, know. Very, very basic. Yeah. Very basic. <laughs> very basic. <laughs> well,
2: no, that, that Potentially car, the 323, or another another cheap one that I just totally fall in love with, the little grey BMW 700 Coupe.
1: Yeah. Unusual, Unusual, quirky. quirky, gorgeous.
2: Little 700 uh, rear engine. Basically, it's a it's motorcycle engine that they stuck in the back of a little sports mm.
1: car. And it's just... That was at a you bring that car up because that was produced at a time when BMW didn't really know what they were. Like yes. They, they, had, they went through this period in the 50s, 60s even, where their board were very confused as to what market they were trying to appeal to. Like Things like the 507, for example. Was and a the Assetto on the other side. And the Assetto <laughs> on the other side. So yeah. they were both trying to appeal to the mass market, produce everyday mass vehicles, and luxury sports cars like the 507. It's a very confused sort of brand identity that they had at the time. And then only really did they sort of slowly into the end of the 60s, early 70s, right, kind of get get the get, get momentum going with their identity of I what mean, they represented. The BMW 700 is, is in reality. If you sort of
2: want to take what BMW is today and track it backwards, mm. what they are today probably actually started with the 700. Mm. That was their first sort of mid-market little saloon yeah and and they did them as a saloon and then they did this the coupe uh, which which they went racing with as well uh, yeah. I mean Stuck senior everybody knows mm. Stuck yeah. but his father senior he raced as well and he's been racing those you know it, it and then it's,
1: and only then did they get into the O2's and this is stuff that we all know you know towards the late 60s right yes uh, and 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 I think that that that, that is when the brand really Found its feet and, and, and found a
0: mass market of, of drivers' cars. I think you're right, and of course, for a lot of the German marks, the war put something of a spanner in the works in terms of the consistency of where they had been going. You yes. know, what the world looked like for them post-war was different from where they their trajectory in the nineteen twenties and thirties. And the, and very 30s. Much so. and the and,
1: demands of the customers were very different. You know.
0: Yeah. So I. So I mean, a car we've not mentioned uh, and you know, uh, a car that I'm through my family very closely connected with is the is the, BMW, the pre-war BMW 30, um, 328. Yeah. So my dad had one of those for 50 years. Um, and so it's a car I'm very familiar with and I've done a lot of driving in 328s over the years. And it is one of the most exotic pre-war sports cars ever made. I mean, Definitely. I know we yeah. can talk about various Bugattis and Alphas and things like that, but if you're talking about, uh, uh, a sports car that was way ahead of its time both mm. in terms of the way it looked mm. and the way it was engineered and its performance and, and its refinement I I've got nothing against SS100 Jaguars for example but they're of a comparative era Yeah. you drive an SS100 yeah. Jaguar it, it, compared to a 328 it just feels like a bloody old car it, it has, feels uh, 10 to 15 yeah. years yeah. older uh, uh, and it's not and, and a 328 is a better car to drive I have a confession
1: I've never driven a 328.
0: If you ever get the opportunity... I, I mean, you've you've driven an XK120, haven't yes, you? Yes. Well, I, I would wager that you would find the 328 a better car than, a, than, really? than, a, than an XK120. I would agree. I'm
1: desperate to drive one, but at the same time, I'm also terrified to drive one, that it doesn't live up to this expectation. that Everyone in the world says 328 is the best pre-war car to drive, and I'm sure it is, but I'm just a bit fearful now that I jump in it and I, and I might be underwhelmed. But I know that Bristol engine is just one of the great engines yeah you know it's just one of the that, the
0: engine in that car is post-war bristol got it as part of war reparations actually yeah. yes. and 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 that um has powered some of the most accomplished and competitive post-war sports cars that you know in phrase and ashes in acs, ACs and yeah. those cars can be made to go bloody fast yeah. and, and and you know in a three to eight it's is the genesis of that? Funnily enough, it is a car that it's a pre-war car that polarizes fans of pre-war cars. Partly because it feels so post-war. Mm. A lot of it's pe- almost too good for its own. It's almost too good yeah. because a lot of people drive pre-war cars because they feel so completely different yeah. from anything that you know followed after the war. You know, terrible brakes. Um, you know agricultural chassis and all the rest yes. of it which is part of the appeal of pre-war cars it, it is d- d- uh, di- and, I, and I get that d- difficult gearboxes yep. double mm. declutching no synchromesh all of those kinds of things which go hand in hand with, with, a, with a lot of pre-war cars you jump in a three to eight and you could be driving driving a car that's 20, 30 years newer yeah. so a lot Easily. of you know so they're they're, they're, in, they're interesting cars but we've got one of those in the collection as well but and like I think going
1: back to Anna's point that, that, that perfectly encapsulates what he said earlier about the variety of the brand you know you have pre-war and you have everyday cars you have sports cars you have racing cars behind us there's a yeah there's a touring car from the 1990s um so there really is like this, this very broad spectrum about bmw um that you know is, is fairly unique i think amongst manufacturers I, I think it is yeah i think it is
2: um i mean if we look at the other sort of big manufacturers they've, they've sort of They've almost found a smaller niche them, and BMW went quite broad in it. Yeah. I mean I mean Mercedes was more luxury, generally speaking, y- yeah. you can find exceptions, sure, uh, but generally speaking, that was more, more luxury based and Ferrari, of course, more pure sports car, Porsche as well, more pure sports car where, where BMW, they sort of they, they sort of caused that that whole spectrum in between um, yeah.
1: and, and, and frankly. I think they're a bit more affordable, attainable than the Porsches or the Ferraris. Yes. You know, to, to the everyday man, my dad had BMWs when I was a kid, and it was something about the fact that they were beautifully engineered vehicles that were attainable. Yeah. You know, you could buy, you could get one as a company car. You could you could save up and actually buy one. And you know, there's something special about that that a car, a brand that appeals to. The mass market in the way that BMWs do, um, I think culturally quite quite significant yeah. for that reason.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really interesting mark. Yeah.
1: Also, I have to make one point that is quite controversial with BMWs at the moment, which is the grill, grill gate. <laughs> oh, right? here we go. So modern. For those that don't know, the modern M3s, M4s, everyone like went crazy about the size of the grills and thought big nostrils. Disgusting. Yes, you know, lots of different comparisons to sort of what walruses and I mean, what, what yeah. 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 it was considered ugly. I've, I've spent my life like,
0: being compared to a walrus, <laughs> <laughs>
1: but in, in a good way. I'm a bad, What's know, interesting I'm anyway. is that if you think the modern car grills are big on a BMW, come and have a look at some of the pre-war cars because yeah. their grills are like four times the size.
0: I've had. That exact same conversation with a whole bunch of car journalists who have been very disparaging about the recent design language of BMW, and yeah. I said, "Well, you know, <coughs> I mean, look at a three to eight. I mean, yeah. it's like a, it's or three foot of grill. arguably even more um, so the three one five uh, and three
2: one nine. Yeah. But it, I will, I will say, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. Well, I know you're right, yet I disagree. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, that's good. Come
2: because, on, let's, let's... because I mean, at, Yes, uh, on a three one five and three one nine, the grills are absolutely huge. They take up about half of the frontal area of the entire car, if not more. Um, so, if you were just looking at size, you are perfectly right. The modern huge nostrils on the BMWs—you could say that they sort of—they uh, relate back to those early cars. Mm. But it's not just about the size of it. It's also so it about size, how it it size is never everything. Size is never everything. Exactly. It's the general dynamic it's, design. It, it, right? It's how it's, it's also how it sort of works with the rest of the design. Yes. Whether it's balanced, yes. a, a balanced, coherent design. Yes. And on this, and this is just my view. On this, I must say I think the large grills on the three one nine, for example, they fit the car. They they suit it. It looks right. Agreed. And I can't say that I feel the same about a new four series. I don't think it, for, and that's just, I mean, it's, it's subjective, of course, but, but in my opinion, I don't think the grills on a 4 Series look right.
0: We've got a lot of other cars upstairs we need to get sold as well, yes, most of which do.
1: do have reserves, yes. so yes.
0: We, we, we're, we're going to have to work hard to get them sold, but we've got some great stuff, generally. Yeah, really
1: great product, really... F40s, and, and all sorts of modern supercars, and, and even like, I've got to mention it, but you're, you're, you know, the, the Thousand Lakes. Overall winner, the Mercedes. Yeah, is it, sixty-one thousand lakes. Yeah, that that car is just steeped in history, individual motorsport history. Yeah, and, and Altenan
2: drove that car to victory in the Thousand Lakes Rally in sixty-one. Yeah, so but we've, got a, we've got, a we got a bit of everything.
0: We've
1: got literally. We have
0: got a bit of everything. We got we got we got pre-war. We've got exotic modern supercars, hypercars. We've got, we've got some beautiful motorbikes. We've got that our rider and driver collection. I mean, the specs on those cars, various Ferraris, and ben- have you seen the spec on that Bentley? Yeah. It's insane. It, is. Yeah. it, it is. was must, like crazy, crazy good cars. If you, um, if you cars. bought,
1: in theory, every car in this auction and started a collection, I think anyone who's into cars would walk into that shed or that storage unit and go, Wow. wow, like yeah. that is a serious collection of cards. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if we can aim to do that with every auction that we do, then I guess we're doing something right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And of course, uh, just finally to sort of wrap up this part of the show, um, th- it's interesting, isn't it, that this is RM Sotheby's it's only our second auction in Germany ever. Yeah. Or, or as long as we've been in Europe, which yeah. is, you know, 15, 16 years. Uh, we, we, we've been to Essen once. Mm. Uh, and this and for a market which is such a significant part of the European collector car scene, yeah. uh, that's sort of unusual. And, 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 and it's a, that it, this is a topic for a different podcast, but historically the Germans... Haven't the German market hasn't engaged with the auction process in true. the way that certain other markets have? Yeah, true. Um,
1: but um, I think there's one very good reason for that. Go on then, and it's cultural, and it is simply that public displays of wealth in Europe here yeah. are, are frowned upon. They're not. They are not looked at in the same way as in the States, where, where it's almost celebrated. You stand up, you bid, you go, I'm taking this car home. Mm. That that is always applauded and encouraged in America. Whereas in Europe, I think it's a lot more sedate and 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 um, you know, I think people just like
0: well, to be a bit more private. Uh, I, I, in, hon- in all honesty, Will, I know you're I've worn this terrible old suit, and I've got this very, you know, under under sort of uh, underplayed wristwatch. Yeah, 20 quid. I'd sell you this wristwatch for 20 quid. That's really what I'm doing. i 'm give you time. I'm, I'm I'm Mark the price. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just underplaying my wealth. I don't want to walk into a building like this and for people to look at me and think, yeah, no. that guy's but, minted. You know what, and, and Will,
2: I think, you're, I think you nailed it. I think you're perfectly right about what you just said. At the same time, that said, I think there's also a reason why we have now had two, and, and hopefully this one will turn out to be a really good one. I think there's every reason to believe it will. And that's coming back to what we're sitting in motor world mm. and and we spoke about how germany has got several of these in various large cities it is here. changing and, and it, it's it changing. changing and i think as as concepts like motor world and the other similar uh, similar concepts that they have in, in germany as that's becoming more and more normal and 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 mm. i think there's a space for these options here as well
0: i i think fingers crossed we're not going to know until you know tomorrow evening but i i think i've, I've got I think we've all got a reasonably positive feeling about this, so yeah. um, let's hope that we're, this is not the last German sale that we'll be back next year. I, I'm hoping, and I think we all believe this is going to be a permanent fixture, annual love fixture. to come back. I, I will, love, yeah, I love Munich. I, I mean, love, 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 love the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not just not just. I mean, anywhere in Germany, great, but uh, here, even better. We've yeah. had some good beer. A li- only a little bit. Of beer. Oh, I not very much, no. but I mean, just a small, thin beer is of very good beer. In Yeah, it. and I'm
2: German beer is the best yeah, well And I
0: wager that we can probably go and find a decent sausage, <laughs> sausage and beer. On that note, and on that happy note, uh, I think we'll wind it up. <laughs> <That> sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> People around me are smirking at me thinking that oh, I've just said something really horrendous that we're not going to be able to broadcast. Which possibly we won't, we might, we might have to edit that out, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, thank you uh, Anders, thank you Will, uh, stand by everybody because we're going to be back for part two with one of the men that is responsible for this incredible building uh, that we're sitting in right now. So that should be interesting, see you later. Welcome back, everyone, to part two of our Munich podcast. And uh, if you've watched part one, which I hope you have, you'll know that we're in a very large industrial building, which is absolutely incredible. And it's called Motor World. And as the name would imply, it's a building that is effectively uh, dedicated to the world of cars, isn't it? And there's almost everything. There's fuel, there's gas pumps, there's clothes, there's shoes, there's watches, there's cars for sale there's clothing there are car dealerships here new cars old classic cars it's kind of an absolute automotive emporium now we are joined got well, two people joining us uh, Marcus Marcus Gurig our car specialist based here in Munich and uh you're really the auction manager for this auction aren't you Marcus and yes. and uh, a lot of the cars that we've got consigned to this auction uh, Marcus has been responsible for consigning. And we've got Xander Hainan. I've said that right, haven't I? Um, who is, and we were just discussing, who is a Dutch national so we've just been discussing the World Cup mm. and he's going to be supporting Holland until Holland get knocked out of the so World Cup and then, he's going to be, and then he's going to be supporting <laughs> Germany and that's absolutely fine I totally get it you live in Munich yes. in fact and the reason why you're joining us is that you have been right from the kind of inception of this motor world project you've been a very uh, senior advisor and somebody that's been very deeply involved in the project I've never seen anything like this It's fascinating because I don't think there is a place like this in in Italy, in France, in Spain. There's 100% there's nothing like this in the UK. Talking to some of my North American colleagues, they're pretty sure there's nothing like this in the USA. And that's an incredible thing because basically, you know, if something exists, you tend to think that it exists in the USA, right? So what is your... take on why this concept is uh, something at the moment is uniquely German?
3: I think like with many things in life, uh, the difference is being made by the individual. You have to have one crazy person to start something and then others will follow. And in the case of Motorworld, it's it's Andreas Dunkel, a a family entrepreneur, very successful businessman, workaholic, petrol head, who always had the vision of creating a space where all the petrol heads come together and where people are being introduced to classic cars, supercars, sports cars, classic bikes, accessories. And it started with one location in Stuttgart, and other people would have stopped there. They yeah. said, It's going pretty well, let's, let's be happy. And for him, it was like the sign that he was onto something. So he created a second, a third, a fourth, and now he has 10 locations currently either finished or under development.
0: It's incredible. And, and so the concept is that you walk through the door and if you're a petrol head, there is everything you want under one. It's like, you know, walking into a shopping mall and you, 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 know, you need to buy some shoes, some clothes, um, you need a chemist, you need to buy some toys for your kids. It's all in a big shopping mall. And this is, the, so conceptually that's the same thing, right? Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. I think um, it, it serves two, two very different groups. Number one, the petrol head who can come here and buy maybe just a coffee mug for two quid mm-hmm. or a, a two million euro uh, Lamborghini. Yep. Um, or a person will come here because he's maybe a, um, a hand surgeon and he's taking part in the hand surgeon annual convention that takes <laughs> place in one of the big meeting rooms upstairs. And in the meeting break, he comes out and he says, what is, what is this place? You know, I could have gone to a normal Hilton Hotel, yep. at terminal four, Former a convention but here in this place surrounded by great cars crazy people and I may actually be inspired to buy something or to rent something yeah you know?
0: yeah no it's it, it 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 is incredible and in fact there are two buildings here aren't they i mean Marcus you you are well i'm you're both going to be members of the uh, the drivers and business club which is a building another sort of similar industrial building right next door Tell us a little bit about the Drivers Club because that's it's a it's a separate thing. It's separate to Motorworld, but what what's the relationship between the two?
4: I have the privilege of being founding member of the um, oh. Drivers Club, but he's the founder. So he's one really? of the three founders. It's Andreas Dünkel, the before mentioned owner of the Motorworld. It's him and the third, petrol hat, if I may say so, um, Christoph Walter, who used to be the. Head of PR and uh, uh, communication at Daimler Benz in the the old days. And the three of them, when Andreas developed this huge industrial hall here, the question was what shall we do with the management building? This is a former locomotive workshop. And the clubhouse now was in the old days the offices. The offices. Right. And uh, Xander and um, Christoph they wanted to found a club, if I may. Tell do, the story. Away. Do, 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 do. <laughs> You did it. <laughs> <laughs> and they just were looking for a, for, a, for a location. And if I get it right, you wanted to have it in the Bayerische Hof in the yep. famous five-star hotel in the center of the city. And um, then they found this room and joined forces and the rest is history. It's like a five-star hotel equipped with all the meeting rooms, a cigar lounge, a library. And it 's a very social place, and I was honestly speaking very critical at the beginning because I thought, can a clubhouse of this like of status in a five star world exist in the north of Munich in a kind of industrial zone where no one really goes because all the rich people live in the south and mm. would you go to an industrial zone as a Ferrari driver? I thought no <coughs> and now i'm completely converted I have to say it's work it works perfectly or I I almost live here now (laughs) like twice a week a meeting or a dinner or a lunch uh, date
0: well people people love a destination don't they that this is the thing I say to a lot of people um, if you like old cars um, well don't have to be old old cars fast cars I like motorbikes as well you need, quite often you need an excuse to get in your car and go somewhere because otherwise you end up by just getting in the car, driving it a few miles and then going back home again. Sometimes you need a reason to get in your car. So I, I, I'm a member of, uh, in the UK of the Goodwood Road Racing Club. Now there's a, great. which is great. And there's a clubhouse not far from Goodwood, but really it's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of the Sussex countryside. I mean, it's not like this. It's not an urban environment at all. And you look at that and you think, well, who, who's gonna go? But people do because they want to on a Sunday or a Saturday, they want to get in a car and they, they have a reason to go and drive 50 miles to get there. And then they get there, they have a cup of coffee, they see some friends, and they go home again. I, I'm not very familiar with the geography of
4: Munich, I have to be yeah. honest. We're in the industrial bit of the city. We're in the. Uh, if you think about Munich as a circle, we are on the top, in the north. Right. That's next to the Allianz Arena, the football stadium. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily a living area and uh, I mean it's not a big, I live in the center of Munich in the famous suburb of Schwabing so it's a four kilometer drive but it's not very pleasant because you go from one red light to the other to the other yeah, and then yeah. you're here. But the reason why you're here is because they do excellent food, nice people and they have a wonderful program over the year. Uh, the schedule is very interesting and you just gather here as a car enthusiast on a regular basis. For, for those
0: that are watching, you might, behind, over my shoulder, there are two single-seater racing cars. I'm not into, they're not Formula One, are they? I'm not exactly sure what they are, because I'm looking at them the BMW. wrong way up. They're BMW, okay. So, but they're upside down, suspended from the ceiling. Above is a, a sort of a, a, something else that's sort of neon clad and very cool. And, and but the whole, it, it, wherever you look, there's something really interesting to look at, isn't it? And And a lot of that, I mean, Clearly there are individual businesses and they've all got something to sell, but a lot of the general decor here is owned by the owner, right? Yeah, yeah. true.
3: Yeah. Uh, Andreas is a, is a great collector of cars, obviously, and motorbikes, but also petrol stations for yeah. all advertising signs from the car industry. Yeah. And the good thing is, like our earlier statement, if there's one guy, uh, or hopefully girl for that matter, at one stage, is crazy enough to lead the way, others will follow. Mm. So we have, uh, just in a club alone, I think we have 100,000 model cars in our club, you know? Not just 19 private planes, which one would expect with a private members club and car collectors club, but also people feel welcome who like the dorky, crazy, geeky stuff, you know? Like uh, uh, collecting key fobs, you know? We have people like car key fobs as a collection. Great, you know? Um, And if you go to the motor world, if you look up the the higher uh, uh, floors, you know, that is meeting rooms, the first floor. The second floor is, um, you know, they there. racing unleashed from, from Monizh Kaltenborn, the former Sauber F1 team principal. Tremendous uh, modern high-tech uh, F1 um, race simulator. Simulator, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Offer where you can race live in real time around the world with the same cars, at the same track in, in proper F1 cars. And one level above you have um, offices where you can find an insurance company specialised in classic cars, an insurance company specialised in hobby racing activities, a leasing company specialised in leasing classic cars uh, back to you, Um, car valuation companies, so all the crazy niche service providers that you often need for our passion to be not too stressful for the relationship you know is all here on one stop and uh, one in one shop so that's nice to, to have that so on the one hand the the, the, the the weird offers and on the other hand the very uh, uh, welcome services that you need uh, uh, are here in the
0: first part of the show we a couple of colleagues and I we were talking about how perfectly well suited this is to conduct an auction and actually I can't think of another auction venue where you certainly where you could house 70 cars, where you have it all in 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 one in one place. And I I remember in the early days when the concept of having this auction, you know, there were conference calls going on and Marcus was telling us about it. Obviously at that point, me and most of my colleagues had never been here.
4: so uh, and how, and you, how do you want to explain this? I mean, yeah, you this, was, this was yeah. my my challenge yeah. to tell my colleagues who never been here on pictures. This is the uh, this is the motor world. Have a look how high the ceilings are. Have a look how far it goes. It's twice, it's three times the size of a football field. So all these things were um, just difficult to explain, and you have to come here. Uh, I mean just what you said the logistics here is so perfect you have a hotel inside the building you have the auction room you have space to present the cars. five restaurants yes five restaurants you have the clubhouse and the our cocktail party will start in two hours from now and I don't know how many people are already here because it's just vibrant This this is
0: I'm assuming the first big collect car auction that's ever taken place within yes. within, within, within yes. motor world Please. So from your perspective, does the auction bring something very positive to, 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 you know, to, to the environment here? There's a lot of people selling cars here. We're not the only people trying to sell cars here. There yeah. are people permanently based here. Yeah. But actually, that, that's not a problem, is it? That's quite complementary. I mean, that's
3: exactly how it should be. Yeah. There's this cliche of one plus one is three, yeah. and it's exactly like that. We have a hat maker over there. He's a tenant of the Motorworld. And you would think, why would a headmaker be in the motor world? But he says, so many of my customers are classic car drivers. And I saw him earlier today. He said, I see that uh, just today some of the auction preview visitors came to my shop for the first time. And that's what we would like to hear, you know? Yeah. Um, That people who share a certain passion for the handmade stuff, for vintage, for heritage, people understand quality. They come to this place, and and they they feel recognized. And if I can add one more thing, to go back to Marcus' stupid industrial uh, zone remark, uh, I'm, 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 I think do some self advertising. We have 1,200 car parking spaces in front of the house, and it will be 1,900 pretty soon. We're building one more car park. So even if you have the four kilometers of traffic jam or traffic lights from Schwabing, poor Marcus, to show up anywhere you want to go at any time of the day and always find a dry car park, you know? Yeah, yeah. And not one of the narrow ones where you feel always nervous with the classic car the people but like wide car parking spaces spaces That's worth a lot. So the combination of space crazy people and I think a good c- curator uh, I think we'll, we'll make sure that this will not be the last auction No, I know sure.
4: we're we, yeah. we, we work we working on it. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs>
0: well, I mean Tomorrow's the auction yep. Marcus now. I mean, we're either as this is always the same, isn't it on the eve of an auction? We're all we're here. We're enthusiastic. We're yeah. feeling good and At the end at the end of the auction, you know, we're all smiling and hug each other or, or we're all, you know Wiping tears away and saying it's not but that's, luckily for us that doesn't happen very often That's I mean, the
4: business and I mean yep. we're in lucky position as arms to the beast that we the first example is the example that we're aiming for and that Most of the time, happens. It does. You're right. Some some auctions are wonderful. Some are less wonderful. But anyway, this is the first time that I have the hat on that I uh, am the auction manager, and I can tell you, I'm hell of nervous. This is really pressure, pure pressure. I just want
0: to make it clear: if it doesn't (laughs) go well tomorrow, there's only one person that's going to get blamed.
4: Yes. I said this, this on, on, on a the the <laughs> really. Saturday evening, I'm, I'm either a very happy man or I'm fired. There's yeah. nothing in yeah. between. Oh, well, Marcus! Either way, the bar <laughs> is not far away. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> I, I make me.
4: sure I make sure that we end up in the bar. We already reserved the whole
3: the but whole If club you if you house. reserve the, the ex Jochen Neerpash and one for me, then I'll reserve a spot at the bar for you. Then deal done. <laughs> have you had a, much of a chance to look around the auction of cars? course you never have enough time to look at all the cars but i've seen some of the cars that, that i would love to have mm. the, 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 the near is by far my favorite The, the mouse so I was, well i was yeah. going to ask
0: you I, i'm going to give you a blank check and yeah. i'm going to say zander you can you can have any car and i'm going to pay for it you, that's the one you're that's having the one.
3: m1 no, no doubt uh. that's the one I, i'm also a sucker for the 90s touring cars, so i like the bmw3 mm. series from schnitzel mm. next door
4: yeah. <laughs> my my pick would be i think it's the ferrari 599 gto wow. the, yeah it, 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 I, i'm a fan it's, of this it's, yeah. it's a great color as well yeah, the color yeah. this blue scotch yeah. the scottish blue yeah Whoa, we've got uh,
0: so for the benefit of our listeners um we have a, a, a collection of um it's, what is it, three Ferraris, three, three Ferraris one Bentley, one Bentley uh, and some motorcycles, motorcycle, motorcycles and a Lamborghini. Image. And bar one car, bar the Lamborghini, they're all fantastic shades of blue, all slightly, all deep, deep blues. And for most of those cars, rarely those particular models are rarely found in that colour. Absolutely. And, and they are absolutely, and they're all absolutely the option you know, when somebody goes down the options list and no, ticks no, no. absolutely every box, um, they're all like yeah. specked to the moon and back. Now, <laughs> I know, um, Marcus, I know you've got a lot of clients, which is good, and you need to go and speak to them. Xander, um, thank you very much. It's yeah. been nice learning a little bit more about Motor World, and I, I feel pretty confident that we're going to be back here next year having another sale. When I hope by, so. by the end of tomorrow, when it's been an absolute success and you've kept your job, Marcus, and everyone's happy, and you can have a turkey at Christmas instead of a pigeon, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) then we'll be back. Um, No, but that's been brilliant. Thank you very much, guys.
4: Thank You you. Thanks.
0: And so thank you to everyone watching or listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. That's it. That's the end of our episode from Motorworld here in Munich. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have enjoyed it and you happen to be watching this on YouTube, there is actually an extended version with a bit more waffle from us, which I hopefully you'll find it uh, uh, interesting. And you can find that on Spotify, on Apple, anywhere else you find your podcasts. It's the RM Sotheby's Car Show. So please like and subscribe. And we'll see you next time thank you for joining us